is Andy Wakefield, and this is the Andy Wakefield Podcast. This is a place where stories are told that have never been heard before. Welcome to the Andy Wakefield Podcast. This is Tom Schmitz, the editor of the podcast. Today, it's a special podcast, as it's the question and answer portion of a screening of 1986 The Act, which Andy and Lori had recently attended in Colorado. As we plan our fifth international conference on public vaccination at MBIC, it was through a conference that I met Andy through our mutual friend Liz Burt many, many years ago. And we invited Andy to come here to Colorado to speak to our Autism Society chapter. And it seems so circular that I get to introduce you tonight. Many moms have many stories, and you make that voice heard. And it's so important to us. And we're glad to see so many fathers follow in those footsteps. So thank you for continuing to tell the story of so many across our nation and across the world. Lori, thank you for your part in that. And it's with great pleasure that I get to introduce this team of Pam Long, Lori Gregory, and Dr. Andy Wakefield. Thank you so much. And before you get started, we have a token on behalf of the state of Colorado for Dr. Andrew Wakefield for this movie. Looks suspiciously like an Academy Award. I it will be the first. I'd like to thank the Academy. No, thank you very much. That was wonderful. Thank you. You're welcome. And while we're waiting for some questions to come in on cards, could you please just speak to us from your heart? Yes. Um, this, firstly, a huge thanks to Laurie, my producer, and to Claire Dooley, who you see running around filming, who, uh, there she is, right down there, who was uh, a cinematographer and editor on the film. Uh, absolutely marvelous. Thank you very much. The two of you, it was a very difficult, very challenging film to make because it was such a complex story of legislation, litigation, and medical science that it was, and it needed narration. It needed something to string it together. But I had no inspiration as to how to do that, how not to put even the most ardent supporter to sleep in 10 minutes. And I went to a pop-up fundraiser, which actually Laurie organized, but she, she, she couldn't make it. I went to a pop-up fundraiser in Los Angeles, and there was a celebrity couple there. And they said, we must do everything we can to get behind this film. And in that moment, I realized what they could do. Now, I'd never got back to that celebrity couple. But it was that the story is told through a husband and wife expecting their first birth, their first child. And what that enabled me to do is several things, and that is to put the story in our own hands. In other words, they are us. Their journey is our journey. Their discovery is our discovery. It's what we did or should have done or might do in the future. And so we cared. And the first thing you need to do with a film is to get the audience sitting forward in their seats, wanting more, wanting to know more, caring about the outcome, caring about the journey. And suddenly we do. We care because they are us. And that then made it possible to tell this story in a way that, even though it is still very dense, 
and necessarily had to be since it's probably the last film I <laughs> get to make. I think I've upset a fair Say number of people. Say it's not so. What are you talking about? I'm kidding, kidding, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> and it was a wonderful thing to direct actors for the first time, and, and our actors did a great job. So that was the story behind the making of the film. But... Um, it was a real challenge, and you were the ones who, who will be the ones who decide whether it paid off or not. It was the first time ever that there was this amalgam of, of fictional narrative with documentary, and it could have been an ice cream sundae at the end of it, but it, I think it turned out reasonably well. Lori, <laughs> what would you add to that? I still cry at the Barbara Lowe speech, and I've seen it more than I have toes and fingers. <laughs> but it, it always gets me, and I think especially because of what we're seeing now. Um, I'm shocked at how willingly Americans are giving up their freedom. And when I see her say, we are the sons and daughters of liberty, I just get choked up. And I hope that what Andy has created here will wake people up because if we don't do something now, we aren't going to get them back. Today, I think that really resonates with us, um, everyone in this room. And today you spoke at our luncheon and you talked about the upcoming election. And I know that really resonated with our community. Would you both like to echo some of those comments from earlier today? Yes, a thorny question. Who are we going to vote for? I'll tell you who you're going to vote for. You're going to vote for your children. And your grandchildren, and you're going to put your vote, your X in the box for those politicians who put your children's concerns and the concerns of the citizens that they're sworn to serve before those of the pharmaceutical industry. And if they do not, they do not get your vote and they are out of office. How does that look in pragmatic terms? We know that when it comes to mandatory vaccination bills, these have been divided between the blue team and the red team in every state where these bills have been enacted or attempts have been made to enact. That is a fact. And so if you want mandatory vaccination, not for just for children, but from pregnancy to grave, for all the recommended CDC vaccines, if that's what you want. If you want to hand over your children to the state, if you want to hand over bodily autonomy to the state and to the pharmaceutical industry, if that is what you want, then you will vote Democrat. And I have no past affiliation, none whatsoever. I'm an observer of American politics. I've been in this for 30 years, and I have interviewed and just talked to politicians on both sides of the house. And that is the fact. If you want health freedom, then you will vote the other way. That is a matter of fact. What President Trump must do in the face, for example, of COVID-19, 
having instituted warp speed and in the presence of the PrEP Act, which gives all of those in the supply chain of any new vaccines complete liability protection, there can be absolutely no mandates whatsoever at state, federal, or local level, and there must be no recrimination against anyone who decides not to get vaccinated. And we need to hear that. And we have heard President Trump say, this vaccine will not be for everybody. There are those who will not want it. But he needs to be explicit on the absence of liability at every level of government and the lack of recrimination. We need to hear that. And that, for me now, as a single issue voter, because health freedom, once lost, will never be regained, I am a single issue voter. And I'll tell you why. Because if by 2032, as predicted by Stephanie Seneff at MIT, based upon the CDC's data, one in two children in this country have autism, no one will care about American foreign policy. There will be none. There will be no economy. There will be no army, no standing police force, no standing army, nothing. You either have autism or you look after someone with autism. And that is the way it's going right now. So nothing else matters. This is a single issue vote and you must put all of your past allegiances and affiliations to one side because you are voting for your children. You've been listening to the Andy Wakefield Podcast. To continue the conversation, go to 1986theact.com slash membership, where for $5 a month, you can subscribe and access the Andy Wakefield Podcast in its entirety and much more. Thank you.